afternoon on the East Coast, good morning on the West Coast, and a great day to you wherever and whenever you may be listening. My name is Jason Dias, broadcasting and podcasting live from the studio of EloquenceOnline.net in beautiful New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. This is the Power Performance, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more, want to get ahead, stay ahead? And accomplish more? Well, our guest today is going to talk about that. His name is Vondell Richmond. He wants the best for your brand, and he has one of the coolest personality tests you have ever taken. Hey, we've all taken those personality tests that, you know, if you were at a party and you saw somebody and they were in the corner, would you go talk? I always thought that was a crazy question. My question was like, what is a person doing in the corner at a party? Um, are you the kind of person who wants to be the life of the party? Are you the person who wants to be the person in the corner? I'm like, again? With the person in the corner? Nobody wants to be the person in the corner. I don't want to talk to the person in the corner. Maybe the person in the corner has got something wrong with them. Well, today we're going to talk to Mondale about a much, much better way of evaluating personalities because, folks, you can have all the social media accounts you want. You can have all the followers you can get. You can have all the coolest technology. I can tell you this, what has been incontrovertibly true for me as an entrepreneur and a business owner since I first discovered what we used to call social networking and now call social media back in the mid-2000s, the overwhelming 99.9% of my business has not come from LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or anything like it. It has come from personal interactions with other people. And I was out in Clarksville, Tennessee. Money Magazine recently ranked Clarksville, Tennessee as the number one city to live in in the United States. That's right, in the entire United States. Lower 48, Alaska, and Hawaii considered. I was a little missled, uh, to quote Tony Soprano, that New Braunfels was not up there in the top five. They used to be. Um, we've been displaced by Frisco and Round Rock and some other places. Uh, we'll, we'll have to talk to Money Magazine about that. We'll keep doing the podcast from New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof, and maybe we'll, we'll work our way back up that list. Yeah, there's like 100 cities. Like, well, what do you, what do, you do if you're the 100 cities? Anybody want to live there? No, I was out in Clarksville, and it is well deserved, by the way. And not only is Vondell a leader in thought and a leader in the civic world there in Clarksville, I can tell you from personal experience, Clarksville is at the epicenter of an economic revival and a great military tradition. Yes, it's Fort Campbell, Kentucky, but honestly, it's all Clarksville, Tennessee, if we're being honest about it, geographically speaking. And there is just something really great and really cool going on. And our guest today, Vondell, is at the center of all of it. Um, it was a smaller venue than I'm typically out in front of when I was doing my professional speaking career. Um, and I like that because you do get to come down and, and talk to people and meet people. And I met Vondell and it's like, man, our you know, I'm adopted. I was like, man, we must be related. I mean, I'm your brother from another mother. You know, we just totally 
totally got on, as they say uh, in England. Just this, what do you call it? A synergy, just whatever you want to call it. Two entrepreneurs just got got Vondell right away. So we're going to talk to him about his business and his brand and what he thinks about the current state of the marketplace. And I'm looking forward to talking to him. And we're going to do it all right after this. why webinars send us hate mail, the power of performance. It is conference quality information without the expense report, the TSA shakedown, and the rubber chicken dinner. And we're so happy to welcome Vondell Richmond to the show. Hey, Vondell, how are you? Man, what's up, Jason? No, 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 man. It was so, so excited, so excited to finally, finally get you, finally get you on the air. Hey, I, I looked, I, I looked at the personality. I got my, I got my bank score today, folks. That's not the same as a credit score. It's something very, very different. It's based upon <laughs> blueprint, action, nurturing, and knowledge. And as soon as I dragged my card down, I realized. I should have put blueprint first because I'm all about on this show. We talk about plan, perform, review, and repeat. It's like, wait a minute, blueprint is the planning, and I didn't put it first. I put action first. Oh, I'm too impulsive. I'm too, and, and you can't like change it once you've done it. You're locked in. So blueprint, action, nurturing, and knowledge. Vondell, that's the best, most honest, revealing personality test <laughs> I ever took. Tell us about it. Tell us about the bank score. Absolutely. Well, first of all, Jason, what you took was several years of, of, of research. Uh, so the system was designed by an absolutely genius sales, sales lady, salesperson, entrepreneur by the name of Cherie Tree. Um, I wish I had thought of it, but basically what's, what the bank, the bank system is, you said it right, was bank system takes our set of values and ranks four cards represented by the acronym bank, as you stated, blueprint, action, nurturer, and knowledge, um, and categorizes them based on what's most important to us. And so you rank the, you, you rank the cards there using a digital version of the system. And pretty much, let's explain it like this. So Shri Tree was interested in the question, uh, typically in sales we're told to go out and do what? Get more no's, get a bunch of rejection. And she thought that was a bad strategy. So what Cherie did was she, over time, just took some regular index cards and said, I have the sales same presentation, but every time I close a, a prospect, uh, if I go, like, to the fifth or sixth prospect, they don't close. What's going on? Mm. What don't I know? Because nothing changed except the prospect. And what she began to realize over time was that while she had the same presentation, she was the same salesperson, the language that she needed to speak to each prospect needed to change. So what she just developed was, I need to understand why they buy. 
as salespeople and entrepreneurs and brand ambassadors, we need to understand what makes people do what they do, what, what causes mm-hmm. them to raise their hand and say yes to us as influencers. So she developed this system. Uh, she proved it over time. Uh, there's a bunch of nerdy research that came through to, to, to quantify and qualify this program, and Google uh, is writing about this as being the next wave of sales um, training that's going to sweep the nation. Well, I'll tell you what. Like I said, it was spot on. Like I told, like I said in the setup here in the intro, you know, we've all done those personality tests, and there's six thousand questions, and you don't know are you are you answering the way you would after five o'clock or between nine and five? <laughs> and I was just. I was just so happy to get it because here at Eloquent Online, you know, our research is really very simple. We have this pair of Monopoly dice that I took out of the game. And so, I mean, it's just, just you know, it's just guesswork <laughs> and stuff like that. You know, I thought it was really, I thought it was really fascinating. And again, you know, again, thinking about the contemporary marketplace and the need, you know, to have done things done quickly and the, and the, and the concept and value of brevity at sure. my session, I talked about how, you know, your your time has become more valuable to a lot of people than than money. I mean, I know there's people say time is money, but th- there's a reason time becomes is first in that axiom. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is great research. Uh, but I wanted to ask you: you are a thought leader, you're a civic leader, um, you you are on the city council in America's most number one livable city. Um, your technology made my technology feel like the cassette. Recorder in my old uh, 1994 Ford Probe, and I used to think I was pretty tech savvy until I got your virtual business card on my iPhone. But I wanted to ask you, you yeah. know, you're out there talking to people all the time, and we all have access to the same information and the same technology. We all use it in different ways. What is the biggest mistake that most brands make today? Whose attention? Who is their audience? So I loved your presentation that you did here in Clarksville. It resonated with me because I'm, as an actor, we're taught to be very specific. So I trained as an actor. So as a performer, we have a very specific audience that we're creating and telling a story to. I play a very specific character whether or, or a very specific instrument. You know, as we know, a violin is different from, an, uh, uh, what is it, a cello or an oboe. Right. And those very specific instruments have very specific uh, ways you would, you would play them to get the emotion that you want from an audience. The result or the emotion that you want, which is typically what music does, uh, is, is that's what we do. We elicit emotions. And so as a performer, uh, let's go with that metaphor because I love it. It's so clear. Uh, inside of my brand, I have a specific audience that I'm playing to, and I'll use this old tried-and-true analogy that if we were going trout fishing, you and I, and I said, uh, hey, Jason, pass me that strawberry shortcake, and I put that strawberry shortcake on the end of a hook, I don't think we'd come back very successful. We'd be hungry <laughs> that night because here's what we fail to realize, and this is where most brands miss it. The bait that I use to satisfy my appetite at the end of a delicious steak is not the same bait that I might use to onboard a prospect or a client for my particular widget, my product, or my service. And so I think that not nailing uh, who your ideal client or your ideal audience member is, uh, we call it an ideal customer or a customer avatar uh, in sales and branding and marketing. And I think not nailing that, which I, would call, I call an audience of one, 
is really where most brands miss it. You know, we go for wow. colors, we go for logos, wow, wow, wow. we go for clarity around what I'm selling, what I'm designing. But then if we don't know who we're talking to, you know, it, it's just, you may as well just, I call it the shotgun versus the sniper marketing approach. And what I see brands mm-hmm. do is go out saying, hey, I'm just in the woods shooting buckshots and I hope I hit something and they come back empty handed. And so I think that's the biggest mistake that a lot of brands make. Well, I got to say, folks, you may have heard, you may have just heard the best, the best analogy ever, going fishing with strawberry shortcake. And if you didn't miss the, the underlying message there, having thrown the strawberry shortcake in the water, not only are we not going to catch any, any fish in the beautiful river that runs right there next to Clarksville, but we just ruined the strawberry shortcake too. And (laughs) at the point of reference, you know, not many podcasts in America would actually have a cello effect uh, because somebody brought it up, but we do. I have a cello effect right here on my iPad Pro, and I actually have the violin. A little, a little less. I don't play either one of those instruments. I play the drums and the guitar, but I do have that on my, on my guitar, my guitar band, um, sound effects and stuff like that. That's that is, that is a great, that is a great, great point. Would you go fishing uh, with strawberry shortcake? Yeah, you could. You could go fishing you with strawberry shortcake. You, you, you could. could. Very skinny uh, yeah, yes, yeah. You'd be very, yeah, yeah. You would be very, very hungry. You'd be very, very hungry at the end. You, you mentioned. You know, this is the power of performance. And, I, and in fact, I, I, I do have one edification. I always tell people, um, I do not do a presentation. I do a performance, a spoken performance. And uh-huh. you just mentioned something. You know, you talked about you're, you're trained classically as an actor, and yet here you are doing business coaching and stuff like that. I believe, as was first stated many years ago, that all the world is indeed a stage. Back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You, go, you, you go to Subway, you go to a hotel, you go anywhere, you're putting on a performance. You go to a bank, performance. you're putting on a performance. You know, I'm, I, I've told this story many times on this show. I walked into Subway one time here in New Braunfels, Texas, Republic thereof. Hey, that, that place where they make the sandwiches, that's where they're performing. In fact, they called mm-hmm. themselves sandwich artists. And so I get up there, mm-hmm. wow. and the person, and you, I can just tell the person is like, "Hey, another customer." And I'm like, "Hey, is everything okay?" And the person goes, "I've been making sandwiches all day." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, you work at Subway. What did you expect? <laughs> what did you think you were going to be doing all day? You know, because of my business, yeah. I'm always focused on on this kind of stuff." Tell, let me ask you this, because sure, you do present yourself. Like an actor, you, you know, you, you have the, the confidence that it takes to be on the stage versus in the paying audience. How has that dramatic training, and I know you're working on stuff right now in local mm-hmm. community theater. How has that dramatic training and theatrical and theater experience helped you in your business, and how can it help other businesses as well? Absolutely. Well, Jason, that's a great question, and um, I'm going to go this route because, see, people – here's what people – this is the number one question I usually typically get from uh, – after a performance. How did you memorize all of those lines? <laughs> and yes. 
One of the things that, you know, any, anyone who's ever performed realizes is that the preparation that goes into creating a, 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 a two-act drama from an actor's point of view is so intense. And the thing that makes Denzel Washington or Robert Duvall or Idris Elba or, you know, uh, Dustin Hoffman or any of those, you know, any of the female greats, not to, you know, be remiss of me, those ladies out, great actresses as well. But the thing that, the number one thing that I believe uh, makes for a great performer is their preparation, is their research, is them being so specific as to what their actions are. You know, a lot of times, so the way I've memorized all those scenes is I, you know, most people come and see a two-hour play. But when I start working during rehearsal, which means to rehear over and over, my first attack is to break down the script in such a way and analyze it and, and, and sort of reverse engineer what story dramatic premise or comedic premise the, the playwright was trying to get across in the first place. So I think me being able to break it down into to smaller bite-sized chunks, understanding the conflict, understanding the problem that I saw my character solved during the course of the storytelling are some of the same skills that I now can map over into the business arena. You know, in the business arena, we have, like you, you stated in your presentation, a performance that we are doing. And at the end of it, the client wants a stellar A1 performance that they pay for, not in applause only, but in, in, in hard-earned cash. And so yep. to get them to come away from their budget to say, hey, I'm going to invest this amount of dollar on this actual problem, you'd better have a solution and you'd better have a performance through the research, uh, understanding the, the conflict that they're having, understanding uh, the, the nature of how they got there, the narrative and the story of how they got there. How does that hero, there it is, the, the core of every story is that a hero is on a journey and they want something. Well, every business owner wants something. Every constituent wants something. Every customer has a need. They want something. And my training in, as an actor prepared me to be able to listen, to be able to take what's given to me and thrown to me, no matter if it's good, bad, or indifferent, and being able to process it in such a way that I give value back to the end recipient. And that's really what it is, that call and response from, from stage performer to audience member. Uh, and, and, and that's really the, the, the best sort of answer that I can think of is just that research and, and knowing how to you know, look under the hood and, and be very analytical and think specifically and, 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 and to articulate that in such a way that is clear. That is that is great stuff. I know you're you're up on stage sometimes. You're a dramatic performer. Uh, when you are up on the stage, as they call it, trotting the boards, and you can see the audience. When you can see the audience, you can see when you've made an emotional connection. Connection. A lot of Absolutely. a lot of a lot of brands don't always have that ability. Microsoft can't see all the people that buy their products and Apple can't see all the people that buy their products. But I do believe that people like us entrepreneurs at a different level in the free marketplace, we get to see our clients. We get to meet face to face with people. One of the things that I think also I bring from the performance world is that, 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 that I love it. The, the idea of collaboration, mm -hmm. the idea that, my job is to get so consumed into communicating with such clarity uh, what I'm doing 
and, 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 and that's really what it is. It's, it's my job as, as a performer is to break everything down into action. And they're, they're, we're back to this word performing again. And so am I up there thinking about the audience's reaction? Not necessarily, but it is, it is, it is a byproduct. Yeah. Uh, my, my, my real first audience, there's actually two, two audiences that I'm playing to as an actor, Jason. There's my, my scene partner or scene yep. partners on stage. That's my immediate audience. And then as a byproduct, the audience who's observing us interact. And I so it. I think that I'm more concerned um, as an actor, how am I impacting my scene partner? You know, am I giving my scene partner enough communication, enough action, enough things that I'm doing, enough, enough emotional uh, connection that it causes a response in them? And it's sort of this call and response. Uh, in acting, the, the method that I study, we call it the pinch in the ouch, you know. And one of the things that I, I just keep bubbling up, so I'll share it. Uh, one of the great acting, uh, uh, Stanislavski, Konstantin Stanislavski has created what we what's known as the method form mm-hmm. of acting here in America. It's the system we use. And he said that as a performer, there are two main people that I as a performer must create Four, and that's number one, the blind man and the deaf guy in the balcony. Stanislavski's preposi- or, or sort of metaphor is that my performance, if someone can't see me, the words, my communication should be so clear that someone can tell the exact emotional state and the conflict and the comedic effect that I'm having on stage and how I present myself audibly through communication. And my actions, what I'm doing should be so clear that if you can't hear me, you can see what I'm doing and, dis- and discern or ascertain or put together uh, the story. And I just think that that's, that's so key. I don't know how it ties in you know, for a business brand, but just that level of clarity in who you are and what your client needs, the value you know, that they, they need yeah. at any given time, you know. I think you just totally explained the world of the in-person customer experience and the person that is interacting with the brand, maybe through social media channels. That is just the way to explain it. Uh, your performance will resonate with somebody who can't hear you because they're seeing you on social media mm-hmm. or wow. your brand is resonating with someone in person and they can hear you, but maybe they don't, you know, follow you on social media yet. And it sounds like the goal is to have all of those things in concert. Hey, musical, per, musical term right there in concert <laughs> uh, with one another. Hey, man, Vondell, this has been this has been so good. Uh, we we talk all the time on this show about quote keepers. Uh, we might just crash Twitter um, when we start uh, putting up all the quote keepers. <laughs> From this show, we do always love to end the show with just some fun uh, uh, questions, kind of a boom, boom, boom um, series of questions. Vondell, what was your first car? My first car was a 1996 Mitsubishi Tracy. It was like a Hyundai Accent, <laughs> a little white car. Yes. <laughs> <Sad> <laughs> They oh, that is so funny. I just uh, I just went up to see my son at Texas Tech this weekend uh, for Parents Weekend, and I, against all odds, I got a Mitsubishi SUV. And uh, you know, no offense, Mitsubishi, but it was the 
worst rental car I've ever I, – I, I, I looked over at my wife, and I said, now I know why we won World War II because, my goodness, this thing is a piece of junk. No offense, but, hey, you know, you're an actor. As, as a dramatic actor, you, you appreciate the concept of honesty. You know, a lot of times Absolutely. rental cars compel you to buy that car, and I've done that in the past. I've rented a car and said, hey, I want to buy that. I rented a Hummer H3 back in 2006, wow. and the very next year bought one because I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Okay, um, Apple or Android? Oh, come on, team iPhone all the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you're an actor? This might be a tough one to answer. Okay. Um, do you have a favorite movie of all time? Oh my goodness, that is a toughie. Wow. I, I, yes, I do. I, I actually do. I believe one of my favorite movies of all time is Spike Lee's "Do the Right Thing." Loved "Do the Right Thing." Watched it over Absolutely. and over on VHS when I was in the Army. Um, of Actually, one of the first songs I ever downloaded on iTunes was Fight the Power, that great oh, opening yeah. scene. You know, uh, I forgot Perez. her name. Ro Perez. Rosie Perez. Perez. Yes, I, I watched it over and over and over Again, I absolutely <laughs> love Do the Right Thing. And then, of course, I have to ask you, since you are sure. a stage artist, do you have a favorite dramatic play of all time? Wow. Sheesh. Yeah. Man, that's a, now that's a tough one. <laughs> that is a tough one. I don't know if we have enough time. Dramatic no. stage play. Uh, for some reason... Arthur Miller is coming to mind. So I yes. think, um, man, oh, man. That, that, the awesome. I'll tell you, the only play I ever was a part of when I was in junior high school, I think it was Arthur Miller, was The Glass Menagerie. I don't even remember. That's Tennessee Woods. Uh, Tennessee Woods. That's, okay, okay, Tennessee Woods. That shows you. That shows you. That's probably the only dramatic play <laughs> I was in. But I will also tell you this. Um, I had a client down in Florida a financial institution down in Florida, and their training manager, who was my point of contact, like you, was involved in community theater. And he invited me to a rehearsal for a play called Next to Normal. And I got to tell you, uh, it, it was just a rehearsal. And I was so moved by that play. You don't see the end coming. It's got one of those gotcha moments at the end. Absolutely. And and, and I'll never forget my friend saying to me, Jason, when I saw that a guy like you, a redneck from Texas, you know, who's probably <laughs> never listened to national public radio in his life, you know, who's never had a, a white wine in his life, when we saw that we got to you emotionally, we knew this play was going to sizzle, and it and it really wow. really did well. Yeah, you're 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 working on a dramatic presentation right now. What's the play you're working on right now? Yeah, so there's a couple couple of shows. There's a there's a play that we I did a reading of, but I just got a call from that playwright. Uh, there's two plays. There's an amazing playwright by the name of Tracy Morrison up in New Jersey. We used to attend church together, and it's a Chris, she's a Christian writer, and she wrote a play called The Prayer Dancer which follows four women who are students throughout their lives and the challenges they face. 
but she just called me this past Sunday and said, Vondell, her pastor preached a sermon about the past, leaving it behind, and reaching towards the promises that are ahead of us. And she said, I'd like you to put down Prayer Dancer and check out this new piece that I have called Preach Preacher, which is a comedy she's working on. And so that's the piece uh, that I'm going to turn my attention to to help her develop this brand new script, and it's really exciting. I think it follows the storyline of a pastor who recently passes, and the church is going through an interview process. And get this, Mm. you'll appreciate this, and I'm sure the audience will. There's a millennial, a female, and I forget the other two pastors. She she hadn't sent me the script yet, but she, she wanted to look at and examine the millennial presence, or at this point, the absence of the millennial presence in our current churches, and how we view female pastors and preachers and the ministers in the pulpit. And so she takes this concept, flips it on his head, writes a comedy to address those issues. And I can't wait to get to it. Um, it sounds right up our alley here, being you know in Tennessee, part of the Bible yep. Belt. Um, and, and I know that some of those tried and true issues are still some of the challenges we face. And so I can't wait to get my hands on it. Oh, that's awesome stuff. Hey, listen, you know, um, I, like I said, I, I knew when I met you uh, that you were very, very passionate about your brand, your entrepreneurial brand, but I could tell right away uh, that you were also insanely passionate about the dramatic arts. And that Absolutely. is something that goes back in, in the course of our human history. You know, I always talk about this. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big time. I've got a degree in American history. Um, speaking mm. of Tennessee, speaking of Tennessee, I'm 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 working on. I've I've always been good at speaking. I've never been good at writing, but I'm I'm working on a book about the Battle of Franklin. And one thing you learn wow. about the Civil War is when these big encampments of military soldiers um, got put in one place. One of the first things they would set up was a theater, a little dramatic theater in a church and a little mm-hmm. band and stuff like that. But mm-hmm. if you were going to be mm-hmm. someplace in the Civil War, it was not uncommon for the big armies to be in one place for several months, like in winter quarters. You know, you're there for three or four months. There was no fighting in the dead of winter in either big army. And so they would set up, you know, people want to be entertained. People want an escape. And to me, as I tell people all the time, if, if you have any doubts about, you know, God and creation, why haven't dolphins and chimpanzees and lizards started their own community theater? Because they can't. That is a human thing. That is a God-given gift to want to entertain and to dramatize the world we are all experiencing. Hey, folks, listen, I know we've gone a little long today, but like I said, you have heard maybe the best analogy I've ever heard for business in almost 10 years of doing this show. Would your brand resonate with someone who was blind or with someone who was deaf? And for all of you out there with brands who have websites that have no sound on them, who constantly post Facebook uh, messages um, that, that are just retread and retried things that people cannot experience and see and share, this is a show you need to listen to again because, hey, that's the power performance, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? 
Vondell Richmond left me wanting more from the second I met him up in the Franklin oh. room there in Clarksville, Tennessee. Vondell, it has been an absolute pleasure. I can tell from this interview that we're going to beg you to come back on the show from time awesome. to time and just let us know what's happening. And, uh, I, I, and I know, uh, I know you're going to keep doing what you do, doing the right thing. And it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so very, very kindly. You're very welcome. And Jason, um, I have a gift. If I can, if I may give to the audience, is it okay if I give them a gift? Of course they love gifts. Cause I don't give them anything. <laughs> well, I want them to experience the bank code that you spoke about. Oh, please um, do. Yeah, I'll, and, I'll and put it wanna... in the episode description. I'll, I'll, I'll put it in the, in the episode page. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and what I wanted to leave you with as far as that is, is personality matters in all forms of communication. Totally and so agree. bank is the scientifically proven profiling system that helps you do that. And so it's a way to increase sales and communication up to 300%. So it's the secrets, the science, and the system to supercharge sales in less than 90 seconds. And, and I want them to demonstrate, I want to demonstrate to them what you experience. And so if they will text, uh, just simply text the word bank code, all one word, B-A-N-K-C-O-D-E to 43506, that will send them a link to take the exact personality profile. They can crack their code absolutely free, and it will spit them a, a personality assessment, the report, their bank code report, and it's a $97 value that I'd love to share with your audience just for being them being connected to you today. We'll put that in the episode description. We'll put that in all of our social media posts. Folks, I took it this morning, and, and, and my first reaction was, Jason, you are still the most insensitive jerk on earth because you put, <laughs> you put nurturing dead last. And believe it or not, I, I kind of knew that. And uh, it is something I work on all the time, Vondell. Uh, you know, I, I, like you, um, I, I never lose sight of the fact that, you know, over 400 times I was the guy on the stage at the conference, not the person in the audience. I'm the guy hosting the yeah. podcast not listening to it. And that, that has its own personality issues that show up in all my relationships with loved ones and friends and coworkers and things like that. And it is absolutely true. The personality that you have brings so much to the marketplace that if you don't know what it is, then it's like not knowing what your part is. It's like stepping out onto the stage and not knowing what your part is. You know, I, I, I told you that you know, I'm very, very limited. I, I, mean, I don't remember my part in the class menagerie, but I do remember that um, way, way back when I was in sixth grade, I was Joseph in what we used to call uh, mm. the Christmas pageant. And I had uh, a, a one line, and it was, Mary Dearest, Mary Miles, help me rock the little child. And think about that. Forty years mm -hmm. later, I still remember that line because of the wow. preparation, because I took it home and memorized it at night and sat there in my bedroom making sure I didn't mess this up in front of all the people I knew from school and the parents and everybody else with the old school 35 millimeter flash bulbs going off and stuff <laughs> like that. Wow. Preparation is the key. I was embarrassed that I did not put blueprint first this morning when I took the bank assessment. Um, but hey, again, it just goes to one of my personality failings is that I'm always about the action first. I told Absolutely. you when I met you, I often say before I think, 
And, and I need to, and if I want to be more successful, especially with the millennial generation, I've got to learn to moderate that and, and to be more consultative in my speech and not come off like the know-it-all because nobody, nobody likes that. And I, and I think having taken that assessment today, it's going to help me be more competitive and more successful. And if you're listening, it's going to help you do the same thing, whether you're a company of one like me or a company that employs lots of people. Vondell, really, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you again so much. Thank you, Jason. Today. All right. Awesome. Thank you for Vondell. having me. Yeah. Come on. Hey, folks, you've been listening to The Power Performance, the show that asks the question, if your brand were a band, would you leave the audience wanting more? You just heard from somebody that knows exactly what it takes to literally leave the paying audience wanting more. It is conference-quality information without the rubber chicken dinner. And until next we speak, my name is Jason Dye, and I'll talk to you all next week. If you're missing y'all, swinging while I'm singing, hey! giving what you're getting, knowing what I'm knowing, while the black band's sweating. In the, the rhythm, rhythm I'm rolling. rolling.